Is your life about making money or making an impact? Welcome to the Behind the Billboard podcast, a living, breathing, interactive conversation about getting better as a leader, a team, and as a person. We believe that success is all about people, and we're on a mission to help you grow. Here's your host, Chris Lindahl. We went a different direction with this interview where I wanted to focus on a nonprofit and someone that's making a massive impact in this world. His name's Brady Forseth. He was the executive director of Starkey Foundation, where they have raised over $10 million in one night. He's now transitioned over to African Community and Conservation Foundation. Brady has principles that I believe can help every single business leader, whether you're an emerging business leader or a successful business leader. I hope you enjoy this interview. I took so much from it. Hey, Brady. How's it going, bro? Good, man. I'm super excited to have you here. It's really intriguing and it's really exciting what you're doing. And, you know, you have a lot to share today. And, and so tell me a bit about your story and when you started. First of all, thanks so much for having me on the show. Big fan of yours. And uh, it's just been really great to get to know you. And I know there's so many great things ahead together. Impact has been my life, bro. Uh, from the very beginning, it has to do with, you know, what you were taught at a young age. Uh, you know, I'm a son of a preacher. Those are the ones you got to be scared about. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, uh, father uh, founded a church here in St. Paul, Minnesota. I was born in St. Paul, Minnesota. And about eight months into my life, moved to Seattle. And uh, when I was about eight years old, moved to Long Island, New York. It's like one word, <laughs> Long Island. How you doing? Bada bing, bada bang. By the way, I can go chameleon on you. I, I can go, I can I go East it. Coast, West Coast, and Minnesotan. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, there are influencers in my life and I, I, I believe that people are in your life. They, they pave the way for your future. Um, from a very young age, I actually, you know, one of five kids, four boys and a girl in the middle, the middle child syndrome. Oh, uh, watch out. But when I was about four and a half years old, I almost died. Uh, I had spinal meningitis. Wow. And, um, they said, if your son lives, uh, he'll, he'll be quadriplegic if he's lucky to live. Uh, that didn't happen. Obviously I'm here today to tell you. And uh, what happened was, um, you know, my father just, you know, one of these things where he said, you know, I hope my son's used to make a difference in the world. And from the very beginning, through the education I had had, through the people who were influencers in my life, um, you know, my, it's not a spiritual thing, but my father was just someone who really cared. That caring and that dignity and that respect and the caring and sharing and love to people, no matter what, whether it's helping the homeless, you know, people didn't have uh, someone there to be there by their side, whatever. That was ingrained into me at a young age. So I always felt at a young age, you know, I'd love to be able to give back when I get older. And uh, I've been doing that ever since. You know, um, I was actually drafted out of high school to play baseball, um, you know, and I played some college baseball down in Florida. Uh, best thing that ever happened to me is I hurt my arm because I got to come back up to New York and uh, ultimately meet my wife and kids and all, but uh, who I have today. But I've uh, been blessed with that. But I, w I was a history major of all things. History major, what does that have to do with development and nonprofit work? has everything to do with it if you believe in doing the right thing. And so I started working at a small little private school in Long Island, New York, uh, you know, very reputable school. And I was teaching some phys ed, doing some subbing for history, coaching football and baseball. And I get called into the principal's office, even though I work for the guy. I'm like, why am I being called to the principal's office? Anyway, uh, the principal sat me down. He said, we'd like for you to be the director of development. I said, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh, well, let me explain what it's about. And when he explained what it was about, I was like, that's a no brainer. I mean, if you believe in education or if you believe like I spent eight and a half years being a lead advocate for autistic children and adults out in Long Island who wouldn't have been able to have advocates for themselves. 
Um, did that for eight and a half years, higher education when I first moved here to Minnesota. And then in uh, 2009, I went to work for the Starkey Hearing Foundation, where I've been up until recently uh, for almost nearly nine and a half years uh, working for the founders, Bill and Tanny Austin. So whether it's hearing, uh, autism, development of disabilities, and or now what I'm doing with the Circle of Life on conservation and community projects in Africa, it's about the caring, the sharing, the dignity and respect. For me, my life has to have passion and a purpose, and I want to make an impact. And I've been very blessed in that whole arena. So one of the, the things about that is there's something deeper to that, right? I mean, obviously, you've, you've run some really successful organizations that are making a massive impact, and quite honestly, an impact that most people will never even have an opportunity to achieve. I mean, you are doing things at a really high level, but let's go layers deep of like why you're actually doing that. I meet so many people that say, well, I'm a people person or I want to be successful. I want to make money. But there's so many layers that are deeper than that. When you started, what were those things that are really deep to your core? Like, what are those things that you stand for? Well, for me, I mean, the core of what I stand for is, is you know, being able to give back to the people so that they can make an impact in their own lives. You know, you could teach someone to fish, you feed them a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I've never been into one of these uh, types of deals where you give them the fish and feed them the day. And for me, I've always wanted to help people so you can have sustainability in their life. Uh, whether it's on the education side of things, because ultimately these people are going to grow up to get a good job, provide for their families. And by the way, not just in America, but in Africa and around the world. Um, when it comes to what I was doing with autism and developmental disabilities, you know, someone needed to be their advocate for me. And for that, you know, I took that very seriously, you know, and, and when you're doing development work, I don't look at the type of work that I was doing fundraising. It's not fundraising. It's friend raising at the end of the day. It's about relationships. It's about trust. It's about, you know, showing people uh, the respect they deserve. And people want to get engaged with something that you're passionate about uh, and purposeful about. And, you know, for many, many years now, over my 25-year career in development, I've always been very purposeful and intentional with how you do that. Strategic, intentional, purposeful. And I believe that's a big part of, you know, success when it comes to the development side of things. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a wealthy guy, but I feel very wealthy in the relationships that I've built over the years. And I consider they're not just donors. They're actually friends. People come to you and say, hey, listen, what are the next things we can be doing as we're moving forward in these areas? And uh, that's been very important in my life and, and being able to, you know, work together. You know, it takes a team to do what you can do. I've learned from Bill and Tanny Austin over at the Starkey Foundation, and they, they say it perfectly. Bill Austin coined the phrase that I heard. Alone, you can only do so much. You know, together, you can make a difference in the world. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer in that. Um, it's one of these things where I really lead with my heart. Um, I've always led with my heart. Um, when I went from the higher education over to Bill Austin, I was over at Northwestern, formerly the College of Chiropractic, there for seven and a half years. I never thought I'd leave there. Mm-hmm. My best friend was running the college there. I was going to be there the next 20 years. I was doing all the alumni development relations. And on the other hand, I was doing some business development with the CDI work and all that. And life was good. But at the same time, there was a different higher calling in my life. And that's when I met Bill and Tanny Austin. And that really became something where he became a mentor to me. He was able to shape and mold my life. And holding on to his coattails is a fun ride. I got to be honest with you, because (laughs) him and Tanny Austin are really do some amazing things. You know, I remember when I first joined them back in 2009, they were doing 30,000, 40,000 hearing aids a year. That's amazing. That grew to like 50,000 hearing aids in one year's time. Unbelievable. And then there was a commitment to action that was made to do 100,000 hearing aids annually through this decade. And by the way, by 2020, a million hearing aids, they did that over six months ago. Wow. And so, but you have to build the right team. You have to put the right players around you. It's about putting the right, you know, 
players in the orchestra around you. Yeah. You know, we're only spokes in the wheel. Um, I felt like I was one of these catalysts, if not a platform, to help build that brand. Uh, find the people who can come in, architect a good team of players, and just be a team member. At the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about what the mission and the purpose and the vision is really about. And now I'm on the whole thing with uh, the circle of life in Africa. A couple of huge takeaways there. I mean, you know, you're not a fundraiser, you're a friend raiser. And I think whether you're in a for-profit or nonprofit business, right. I think too many people are focused on being a fundraiser mm-hmm. rather than a friend raiser and building those connections. And Absolutely. I love your, your point about wealthy and relationships. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because it's about more than, than just money. And it's about making that impact. Something that came up consistently as you were just talking there and I think it's really important to a lot of the listeners is the team aspect. I had talked about in uh, a couple episodes ago, you know, the difference between top down leadership and bottom up in so many organizations, you have some CEO or executive director at the top that's barking orders and, and nothing gets done in that sort of environment. So talk to me about like the teams that you've been a part of, because you're, I mean, you have a, a ton of humility and, and I love your bottom up approach to leading an organization. Tell me what those teams looked like. Well, it's amazing because, you know, I've, I've been involved with a lot of grassroots type sort of things, even though they're big organizations like, you know, some of the higher ed and the education and autism and all they're big organizations, but there were no fundraising programs whatsoever. I love those. Types For sure. Of yeah, you're scrappy because from there it's the ground up, right? Yeah. You can only build from there. I'm the type of guy where I'm going to take a call. I don't care if I need to clean the office, whatever it takes to get the job done. Uh, but you have to be purposeful with the people you surround yourself with. And you find those that have the same passion and purpose who want to make that impact as well. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the communication you have with those team members, making sure that they understand the mission, the purpose, the values, the ethos of what it's about. And they're on board with that because that's going to spill over because I can only do so much. I'm only one person, right? Back to that point of alone, you can only do so much. So finding the right team players, you know, um, just an example. Again, I'll go back to the Starkey Hearing Foundation because I was there up until July 15th. We were taking calls all the time of new opportunities that were out there. It's one thing to say, can you come to Ethiopia or can you do something in the West Bank and do a mission of peace and understanding? But at the same time, you have to find the right players to do that. So it took a lot of different team players on our team to make that happen. Uh, A lot of different roles and responsibilities there. Um, you know, and, and, and I can never take the credit for that because we had a really strong team over at the Starkey Foundation and all the other organizations I've been with. Um, and, and advocacy is a big part of that. And I believe that, you know, you get those people on point who all have different roles and responsibilities. You know, a lot of times what I do is sort of become that, not spiritualizing it, but become that preacher behind the pulpit, tell the story, find new opportunities. Development's not just fundraising, it's developing opportunities. You know, there's awareness opportunities. No offense to celebrities, but, you know, I'm not really too interested in celebrities. But if you're a celebrity, like, what are you doing? Like, that's what the big thing about Starkey was they're very purposeful, the type of celebrities they've gotten involved. Ashton Kutcher, what do you do off the film screen with your work on trafficking and so on? He's changing the world. Elton John, what are you doing with your work with the AIDS Foundation, the Elton John's AIDS Foundation? He's changing the world. You know, Richard Branson off the business stage with his Virgin Unite program. It was very strategic, intentional, and purposeful with who we got involved with. And that's the beauty of what it was about because they also provided their platforms to help build that. So not just the people that you work with, but the ones that you're working together with that can provide their platforms that take things to a whole different level. So it's a combination of not just fundraising and development. It's social media. It's awareness. It's branding. It's getting that message of caring, sharing, dignity and respect. And the end result, my friend, it's hope. You know what? There's so much to unpack there. But I love the part about the celebrity and, and the platform. I've been hearing a lot more about like this platform that people have. And 
And obviously, I don't have the the platform the size of a, a really. You are a, the celebrity, a, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but but you know, I'm just trying to make a small difference with the platform that I have, and it's why I put Love together it. this podcast to give back. And I think there are so many people that are listening right now that have a platform, and I, including myself, where we we think our our platform's not big enough to make an impact. And every single person that you impact is more of a difference if you didn't do anything. A thousand percent agree. And and by the way. You know, I, I use the example of celebrity. It's not about the celebrity. To me, anyone's a celebrity for that matter. That's right. I'm talking about the young boy in Howard Lake who feels so strongly about what it is we're doing with the foundation who's actually gone out of his way over the last 15 years. And I won't mention the name, but the kids already raised over $40,000. Unbelievable. That to me is a celebrity. That's right. And by the way, it's not about how much you can give. Time is just as valuable as money, right? For sure. I'm talking about people who volunteer hours because ultimately these people who all come together in this orchestra, this chamber orchestra that has now become a philharmonic, if you will, where they come together and they all have a different role and responsibility. And that's the way I sort of work when I, when I go to these different organizations and I haven't done it much. I usually tend, tend to stay places a long time and, you know, uh, now with my new role, as we're building the team and architecting the team and the soldiers in, in the army to really make a difference for good, everyone plays a big part in a variety of different ways. I, I love it. Yeah. You said something that really hit home for me and you said it's it's not just about giving money. And I talked about this. Uh, I've talked about this so many times and, and I always say like we have time, treasures and talents and like it's, a, a you know, giving back our number one core values, be generous at, at our company. And it's to give back any of those. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's just giving money. And I think people are too confused that they think they're making a difference by just writing a check. But for some people with the right platform, a check is the the least significant thing that they can actually do to make a difference. I love the alone. You can only do so much. It makes me think so much about the team in my company and how the incredible people that we have. And and we wouldn't be where we are without all of those people. I'll say something about you. First of all, I love your shirt. I want one of those. It says be generous guys. You need to order one of those. I, I need one of those, but you know, you're building your company on that philosophy. That's what Bill Austin did. He built Starkey for that very reason. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't build it to make money, just so mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. He built that so that he can help people who maybe wouldn't be able. The ones who can afford it, they could buy the hearing devices and the hearing technology, and it's the best you're going to get. But the ones who can't afford it from the very beginning, he's been giving those away for many, many years. And today that runs true. And that company was built on that premise from a CSR model, the corporate social responsibility of giving back. And I believe like what you've done with your company. That's why I believe the more you give, the more you receive. I don't care what religion you believe in. It's about giving back and being generous and it comes that, back and then some. That's right. So you've obviously made a huge impact in your life uh, up to this point. There's also been some people that have made a huge impact in your life. And, and I'm curious, you've had the opportunity to travel all over the world and make an impact for so many. Do you have a story that comes to mind of somewhere that you traveled where it made a significant impact in your life? Yeah. I mean, it, it all depends on if you're talking about actual moments in my life where on the road in Africa or whatever it may be, or if it's actually working with some person who I consider a mentor. But let me give you some examples. Yeah. Um, yeah. I jokingly blame Garth Brooks for this one. Uh, Garth Brooks is a big fan of Bill Austin and the Starkey Foundation and Tanny and the work that they're doing. And they've been supportive of each other. And that's the beauty of Bill. He's not only with what he's doing with the foundation, he supports other good causes. Uh, but Garth had talked about some work we wanted to do in Israel. Um, you know, and, and, and there's the Sheba Medical Center in Tel, Tel Aviv and Tel Shamir. It's a hospital known without boundaries, right? And um, he does these zones. Actually, Kyle Rudolph's involved with one of the zones here at the Children's oh. Hospital. And they do these zones throughout the U.S. And it's really good because it's a place where a kid can be a kid. There's no needles, nothing like that. It's just, you know, the medicine of family, the medicine of understanding how a kid can be a kid when they're going through a rough time. 
And he had said, you know, we should do some work in, in Israel. And so uh, Bill Austin had sent me over there back in 2011, around that range just before then. And I went over there, met with the hospital and all, and um, again, known, knowing them as a hospital without boundaries, helping people in, in the West Bank and throughout Africa and that region. It's sort of the mail, if you will, for the area. So they talked about us doing a mission there, and, um, and it was great. Met with all the key players, the CEO and everything else. Flew all the way back to Minnesota, and uh, there was Bill Austin, as he always is when he's not on a mission, right there in the corner, you know, working on the hearing aids, working on the molds, and he's there until 2, 3 in the morning every wow. night. This guy is a machine. Wow. I mean, you know, I, I jokingly call him Gandalf the White Wizard. He's like a father to me. He's like mm-hmm. a true mentor in my life. And he said, how'd it go? I said, it was great. Um, you know, we're going to do some missions and help some of the people in Israel there and some of the Bedouins who maybe wouldn't be able to get the help there and so on and so forth. And you know what he said to me? He looks at me, he goes, what about the Palestinians? I'm like, good point. I flew all the way back. I go all, I get on a plane, I go all the way back. And we sat down and I said, you know, you guys are a hospital known as a hospital without boundaries, about peace and understanding. We are happy to help the folks here in Israel, but what about your neighbors next door? And it was at that time where the Arab Spring broke out back in 2011. You remember oh, yeah. that? Oh, yeah. It was a hot bed out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the clouds were encroaching in that area. And Bill Austin really felt strongly about the clouds of darkness. Let's shine some light. That began our first mission of peace and understanding ever. We actually worked with the former president, Shimon Peres' son-in-law, uh, Rafael Walden, who did a lot of work in the West Bank. and the Pal- So here were Americans, Palestinians, and Israelis who came together. Starkey Foundation and these two other groups came together, and you could have cut the tension with a knife when we first went to that gate going into the West Bank. Matter of fact, the Israelis who were with us had to sign a waiver saying if they're taken, killed, or whatever, it's, it's not Israel's responsibility. They're not allowed there. It was the first of its kind. And here, Bill Austin, through the gift of hearing, had helped to architect peace and understanding. There are memories like that that stand in my mind, and I have thousands of those, bro. I'm talking about in the western bush of Kenya where families were walking 20, 30 hours, and it's a family of four boys, and this one kid had never heard because he was born with malaria. You know, there's certain strains of malaria that cause hearing loss. Or here, take this quinine, it's going to cure your malaria. By the way, it's going to wipe out your hearing. So when you have, you know, malaria and those types of diseases in developing world countries, sometimes you're sort of shunned and isolated from society. And here they come all the way walking 20, 30 hours, and there's a little pressure when they're sitting down on your chair and you're going to give them the, the gift of hearing. You're hoping and praying to God it's going to happen. And uh, you see the eyes just light up. It's almost like they won Mega Millions. They don't need the Mega Millions, you know, $1.6 billion. Yeah. That, to them, was the life-changing experience. And, and same thing with my whole career, helping these children who now have an opportunity to get a job with autism and developmental disabilities and now with the work that I'm doing in Africa with Mr. Paul Tudor Jones with our African Community and Conservation Foundation, giving people a chance, teaching them how to fish, you know, protecting the wildlife that's there and so on and so forth. So for me, it's about those types of experiences in life that are making true impact. Through the Starkey Foundation and through the different nonprofits that you've been through, you've met a lot of people yes. um, and you've met some really high profile people who made the biggest impact on you throughout the years. I would say, and not to go political on it because I can go both sides of the aisle, I would say two people, President George W. Bush and President Clinton. Yeah. Um, you know, and by the way, they're very close. They get along mm-hmm. quite well. Uh, and they've they've been on some of the Starkey Galas and so on and so forth, but they don't just talk about the work. They do the work. Uh, they're both really entrenched into the world, but also Africa has been a big part and a big focus for their life. To see them do what they do, what President Bush did with PEPFAR, you know, helping to sort of bring AIDS down to a different level. It's not as bad as it was in Africa. It's still bad. Uh, but because of what he had done there, President Clinton, this whole Clinton Global Initiative, so many different things he's done 
for the world. And I've been able to see them in action. I've seen that true caring and sharing spirit in their eyes, that compassion that they have for the people. Um, it wasn't sort of like a PR move, a PR stunt and a wag the dog type thing. They were there for the right reasons. And we actually got to see their work as well that they were doing. So I'd say those are two incredible individuals, but the the list is long. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, I can go yeah. athletes on you to yeah. entertainers. Of course. They're all doing some great work. That's the beautiful thing about those two individuals. There is true passion in just doing good. Yeah. And I think our world needs more of that. Whatever your views are, let's all come together and, and make an impact. And, and it's been fun to watch both sides of that and, and, and the impact that they've made. And when we first met, I did a ton of research on Starkey. And yeah. I, I mean, I, and I... You know, I looked on Twitter, I see all these posts, I see all these things. I looked at all of the people that went out of their way to wish happy birthday to Bill Austin. That says something in itself. I mean, these are the highest profile people in the entire world. And that's a good point. And by the way, I mean, that's why he is my hero. I mean, there's three heroes in my life. My father, I respected Billy Graham just as a man who was a simpleton who really cared about people and Bill Austin. Those are the people that I've I've respected in life. But um, again, it's a testament to who he is. The guy is there 24 uh, 7. He's been more than 103 countries, changing the world. And it's never once been about him. It's been about that caring and that sharing message. He has created a viral movement that has changed the world. His platform and his art is hearing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's so many others, like the guy I'm working for, Paul Tudor Jones. Same thing. He's very much of a Bill Lawson type of person where he's doing that on in Africa, where he's protecting the wildlife, but he's helping the people in all different areas of health, education, small business enterprise, and so on and so forth. But you're right, to the point where people understand that Bill Austin's always been about doing the right thing for the right reasons, and that's why people get engaged and get involved. And, um, you know, I think that's an important thing. It says a lot about the man. A lot of people in your position would have never left the environment you were in. Uh I mean, you were making an impact at the highest level, you know, you plan maybe to be at Northwestern College for the rest of your career. And mm-hmm. then the Starkey opportunity showed up and now ACCF. So what made you decide to make this change? Well, um, it, it's interesting how things come about in life. And I believe things happen for the right reasons in life. It was one of these things where um, Mr. Paul Tudor Jones, who's the patron of the ACCF, which is the African Community and Conservation Foundation and the team had uh, learned about some of the work that I've been doing with the Starkey Foundation and just really more about my development career. They had approached me just a while back about, you know, here's some of the work that they're doing. And, and you know, knowing that where Starkey's at today, there is true sustainability. I mean, five continents, 103 countries, 66 of those countries now have sustainable programs that'll go on for a lifetime. You know, there is a machine that's going on there. It's become a world hearing healthcare plan. The team is strong there. And, you know, when this opportunity presented itself, I'm a big believer in conservation, anti-poaching, and wildlife management. I will write write out a nice check for that, and I believe in it. I would never leave the Starkey Hearing Foundation for that, okay? Now, where you've got my interest is when you add the circle of life into that. It's never been done in the world. There's a lot of great organizations out there that are working in wildlife management, anti-poaching, and conservation. None of them are doing human impact as well. That's the circle of life for me, my friend. I've been doing human impact work for the last 25 years education, higher education, autism, developmental disabilities, hearing, and so on and so forth. So for me to now be able to say, I can actually go to parts of Africa where they've got these properties and surrounding these properties where there's 95,000 people or 50,000 people or 18, 20,000 people in, in villages where there is nothing. I'm talking the water that's in front of you right now. It's dirty. It's waterborne illness. It can cause death. Okay. When you talk about the true needs assessments in parts of Africa, whether it's AIDS, malaria, all different types of health initiatives that have gone wrong, 
the education side of these things where these kids wouldn't have an opportunity otherwise. You know, now there's technology, there's schools that can be built. The education side is is a whole different animal of opportunity there. You know, you talk about, you know, empowerment programs. When you talk about business development and small business enterprise, you know, give them an opportunity to get a job. We don't want them to have to keep poaching and going after the elephants and the rhinos. It's getting to the point of extinction. And unfortunately, some people in different countries are paying these people to do that, and they're taking a chance and risking their life. They don't want to poach, okay? So so how can wildlife and humanity work together in coexistence? To me, that is very intriguing to me. It's an opportunity to really get that message out. And they have a lot of influencers and people who have been involved. Mr. Paul Tudor Jones founded organizations like the Robin Hood Foundation. You've heard about them. I mean, they've knocking out homelessness and poverty in New York City. I mean, they're raising millions and millions of dollars to make a true impact in people's lives. The Everglades Foundation or the, you know, uh, other organizations that he's working on. And now there's this opportunity to bless the rains in Africa on the Circle of Life of Programs. I'm really excited about it. And already we're laser focused in Tanzania. Our work will go into Rwanda, Zambia, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and also in the South Africa. And I jokingly say that I'm part African because over the last 10 years, I've probably been to Africa 10, 20 times wow, a year. Yeah, amazing. Um, so it's sort of like a second hand to me. And, um, you know, I know, I know it quite well. And, you know, already we're building that orchestra to come together on this and, uh, it's going viral. Um, we're really excited about it and, uh, I can't wait to see what the future looks like. You mentioned sustainability, and I've heard this from other friends, too, that do a lot of nonprofit work. And earlier you said, we're going to teach them to fish, not give them the fish. Yep. And I think that that's the mistake that's been made so often in the world is that we give something to someone, but we don't teach them how to be sustainable. And yeah. and you left Starkey and you mentioned it's going to be sustainable and they're at a point where they're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. And I've watched so many times where, I mean, we give them the fish yeah. and we don't teach them how to fish. And it's temporary. It's a short game and it's not the long game. So tell me more about the sustainability of everything that you've tried to do in your life. Yeah. And and really everything I've tried to do has really been the team effort going back to that. But on on the Starkey side of things, that's the beauty of who Bill and Tani Austin are about. Tani, when she really looked at what sustainability looks like for the Starkey Foundation, it was not just relying on friends in these countries or groups to say, I want to volunteer my time. I want to help with the aftercare. That can't happen that right. Because it's not the person's fault that they maybe got a new job, someone in the family passed away, or something changed in that environment. Right. We had to build a program that Tanny Austin really took the lead with Bill's leadership, and the foundation came together and said, we need to have people on the ground to be able to do that. And so that's where the sustainability came into play, to the point where over the last three, four years, she spent nearly 250 to 270 days a year going there to empower these people to be able to understand the model at the Starkey Foundation, the four-phase model they worked on. And that's the way it works with all different types of programs that are successful. The way we're going to be working at it uh, with ACCF is we're bringing in other nonprofits that I've vetted out, that I work together with over my long career, uh, who are coming in to help with water. You know, it's not just a one-off deal. We don't want to do the one-off projects where, hey, you gave them the hand up, but like next thing you know, a year later, whatever happened with that program. So we're looking to bring in organizations who have a strong record that we've scorecarded out. Like, you know, hey, listen, we want to make sure... If you're bringing in water, it's something that is sustainable and that it's something that can be scalable and something that can expand in the area. Same thing on the uh, side of all different types of health initiatives. We're bringing, we're already working with a number of organizations throughout all of Africa and all these areas where I was telling you about. And of course, in the education side, uh, we've got it locked and loaded already in those areas so that we're going to be able to incorporate that into all those countries. And on the, non, on the wildlife conservation um, anti-poaching side, we've been very, very fortunate. I mean, that's a big thing there. 
You know, it's interesting about ACCF, and if you get a chance, check out our website. It's just AfricanCCF.org. Many of the anti-poacher scouting units we have, they were poachers, okay? These are the guys who used to poach. So think about this. These are the ones who are now going out looking for the poachers. There's no one better than that. They've got canine units that many of these dogs would have been euthanized in Montana. They're now over in Africa, and they're part of the canine units working with the anti-poachers to find these poachers who are out there. And then, um, you know, God rest his soul, uh, Paul Allen was a big part of our work in Tanzania. His Vulcan program, they had the drone programs or thermal-seeking, heat-seeking drones. They actually go out at night. And so that's just in Tanzania. But then there's all different types of anti-poaching units we have over there. So at the end of the day, it's the empowerment of these people, making sure that you vet out the right organizations. And and we're going to look to bring in and plug and play the ones that are doing good work. I love that you're getting other nonprofits involved. A lot of companies are focused on the short game wins just for that organization, where you totally understand the long game of I have to bring in other partners so that we can make a bigger impact and, and make it sustainable. Tell me about that, because most organizations don't think that way. They think about what can benefit that organization. And I've never seen a nonprofit where it's like, well, let's bring in other nonprofits that are maybe better at something that we don't specialize in or where we can make a bigger impact. Well, absolutely. I've learned it uh, over my career. Um, Collective impact is what it's about at the end of the day. Uh, It's not competition. It's co-opetition. Collective impact. It's something I learned with the whole Clinton Global Initiative, but I learned it even before then understanding how people can come together to make a difference. And again, going back to that philosophy that alone, you can only do so much. Uh, You know, that really is important to me because with what we're doing with ACCF is we're raising, we're a platform to raise awareness and support for the circle of life on not just the wildlife side, but the human impact side of things. So community conservation, we're bringing in good organizations like even locally here. Matter has done a great job when it comes to hospital equipment, uh, medical equipment. Uh, They do agriculture as well. And then they're also working on innovation in a hub with Apple. I mean, that's a good organization, a natural fit where we can bring them in. They can work with us in areas where they're already overlapping. You don't have to reinvent the wheel here. They're already mapping out in areas like Zimbabwe and Mozambique and other parts of Tanzania where it makes sense. So my team and some of these other NGOs are coming together. And that's just one example of many, many. There's literally dozens of nonprofits I'll be working together with. You know, there's so many great organizations from Matt Damon on the water.org to you know, what the Pitt family is doing with WorldServe and all that. There's so many good organizations that come in and they bring a plethora and a sustainable, you know, model that works. Um, and so we'll be doing that with a variety of not just the NGOs, but the right companies, how to mix and match. That makes sense. You know, Cargill does a lot of that type of work with agriculture and all that sort of stuff where there's a perfect fit here or Land Lakes and so on and so forth, right in our own community, by the way. And so we're, we're partnering with good organizations, not just uh, here domestically in the U.S., Uh, and companies, but also some of those that are doing global work as well. Amazing, my friend. Amazing. I I think that too many people think, you know, individually about what their gain is in their company or as a business leader. And and it's so many people are so focused on just what benefits them that I'm I'm proud of you. And I think that so many of our listeners are going to gain so much from hearing that. So you start this new position. You're really starting over, Three right? We made strides, though. But you're a fundraiser, or a fundraiser, and you've got a lot of people, a lot of connections. They're going to help you, you know, get this off the ground quick. So I'm interested to see as you've thought through this, where do you start? Like, what are the first things that you have to tackle in this new position? Three words: plan, plan. And plan. Uh, yeah, no, I've literally uh, just over three months into this, and we have been putting all of our playbooks together. You have to have a, a strong business plan. 
Uh, and you have to have good people around you. Been very fortunate, even though we're a small nonprofit startup of only three of us. You know, we're very fortunate in the fact that we have um, offices in, in the East Coast as well as in Africa that are doing this sort of work. Um, and they're coming together on our plan, um, executing what the marketing plan looks like, what the PR plan, the social media plan. Case in point, I told you Facebook earlier, zero followers five yeah. months ago, nearly 21,000. Now we want to expand that with your audience and so on and so forth. So people can learn more about what, it. What's, what's the, uh, how do they yeah, look that up you go on to social just media? African community and conservation foundation on Facebook. You can like us and follow us. And you can learn more about it. Um, of course, our website went uh, live just last week. And it's just uh, www.africanccf.org, africanccf.org. It really takes a team to make that happen. We've uh, really worked hard at architecting that plan because ultimately the social media, marketing, and PR really come together, but the end result is the development side of it all, right? Mm -hmm. The awareness and the development go hand in hand. So already we've been you know, hanging some low-hanging fruit where it's there. We see the opportunity that's there. And, you know, with when you're starting a nonprofit like this, you got to have a, a variety of multilateral channels of fundraising, right? And, you know, they always used to say the old 80-20 rule. I beg to differ. I think it's the 90-10 rule. Mm -hmm. 10% of the money comes from 90% of the people. Yeah. And if you think about millennials today, you know, they have a whole different focus on the way they want to fundraise. And there's lots of different trends that show that. And there's analytics behind that. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with social media, call to action. That's why I'm going to be really working hard on getting the right influencers, the right people that some of these kids look up to uh, that are engaged. They want to be a part of it. You know, listen, if they want to write a check out themselves, fine, I'll take it. But more importantly to me is their platform. Mm -hmm. How do they use their platform for good? I don't mm -hmm. care if it's someone who's been successful like yourself in business and you're using this beautiful platform already by doing that. You're already doing that, right? right. That's an important thing for the younger generation and people in the business community just to learn from. Mm -hmm. And kudos to you for that. Uh, but there are a lot of other good folks that are out there doing that sort of same thing and we're going to get them engaged with that and also expose these people to some of the good work they're involved with as well. It's a good thing. It's a two-way street and everyone's trying to make a difference in this world. Uh, but a lot of it has had to do with the, the planning. Uh, like I said, nonprofit startup, risk reduction on the beginning, right? And as we bless the rains in Africa and it starts to rain in a good way, because when it rains in Africa, that's a good thing, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so oh, yeah. dry over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when they rain, they dance and they're in the streets yeah. and everything else. That's what's going to happen. Once it happens, you expand based on that. Um, for me, the risk reward is is not how successful you are, but the impact you're actually going to be able to make mm -hmm. and the metrics of that and being able to see the lives that are changed and the fact that we can protect these animals who are nearly on the verge of extinction if we don't watch it. What's happening right now in, in the world is things are changing at a, a very fast pace. I mean, you, you mentioned social media, you mentioned, you know, millennials, the younger generations and, and how they do things is significantly different. What is your plan in your organization to combat that? Because what I'm seeing is I see a lot of people that can, you know, directly make an impact to a story that pops up on their social media, you know, the GoFundMes of the world and those types of websites that have significantly changed the way that certain generations give. Peer-to-peer -peer fundraising is a big, big deal. And like I tell you about this kid in Western Minnesota who raises 15, 20, 30 grand, you don't have to have 500, 10,000 or $5,000 to make an impact. You can actually reach out to your friends through social media now. We've actually created our own, um, you know, fundraising website. It's just, uh, it's through our Everyday Hero. And on our website, you can learn all about that. Um, again, just AfricanCCF.org. But we already have people already working on that. Right now, we're Love going it. into the schools. We've got partnership already with a lot of different 
uh, leaders that are within thousands of schools that are wanting to learn more about not just the wildlife conservation and the anti-poaching side of things, but also now this new model of what true conservation and human impact looks like now. So we're we're already going to be working with some of these influencers to getting into the schools because these kids want to be engaged. They want to be involved. And whether they want to come with, with us on a trip to Africa, on a safari with a purpose, or just help to make sure that we can protect humanity, protect Africa, because it is a jewel. Africa is trending in such a good direction. The density of the population has gone on a whole different level. You have to address these areas so that we can make sure that these people have, you know, livelihoods moving forward, a sustainable future so that they can help provide for their own families uh, for generations to come. And, you know, and, and everything from the health to the education and that side of things, but also on the protection of the wildlife. So we're providing, you know, a lot of that social media is a big, big part of what we're doing. You've mentioned multiple times that alone you can only do so much. Yep. And our audience has grown significantly. And we have people that are emerging business leaders. And we have people that listen to this that are some of the most successful business leaders in the entire country. Incredible. So how can people that are listening at all those different levels, how can they get involved in, in, in what you're doing in, in Africa? Well, I mean, there's a variety of ways. Um, you know, if someone were to say, hey, listen, I would love to go on a meaningful purposeful trip. I've never been to Africa. I've always wanted to see Africa. We are doing those. They're called a safari with a purpose. We have them in Tanzania. We'll be expanding into Rwanda, Zambia, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. Already there are groups of folks that are joining us in, uh, you know, anywhere from six to 10 people that come over. Uh, It's like any other thing that you'd see at a school or a university or a church or a synagogue or a mosque where people raise money to go on a, a mission trip, if you will. And so we have volunteers who come who give up their time. Uh, we'll be doing these safaris with a purpose. So, you'll, yeah, you'll get to see the beauty of, you know, the land. Uh, you know, you get to see, you know, the beautiful Serengeti in the Western Carter there. It's sort of the Garden of Eden, bro. It's just yeah. I can't wait to bring you. Yeah. I know we I'm talked excited. about yeah, that. We're, we're I'm going, excited yeah, about coming. You know, you get to see the beauty. You get to see the big five. get to see the animals. But you know what? Let's have a little purpose while we're here. So that afternoon, let's go follow the canine unit, these dogs who would have been euthanized. And let's go follow them. And it's almost like the show Cops. You're going to look for poachers. Yeah, you know? yeah. How cool is that you get to see the money that you raised in action? Or the next day after you've seen some of the animals, let's go out and see the schools where these girls have homes. They have a new uh, you know, uh, facility where they're actually getting technology that's not collecting dust and it's not working. It's in good working order. And it's now giving these opportunities because these people are young. They need to be shaped and molded now for their future. And so we want people to be able to experience that. So we're going on these trips. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, on our website, just AfricanCCF.org, there's a donate page there. People can get engaged on a variety of different levels. There's a variety of ways that people can support at whatever level. And I don't care if it's a dollar, five dollars, five hundred or five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You know, everyone can be a part of that. They can make a difference in Africa. You don't have to live in Africa to care about the people of Africa and the plight of Africa and what's going to be happening with the extinction of the animals if we don't address that. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but... Unfortunately, there are countries that hire these poachers and they take the ivory from the elephants and the rhinos because of their quote unquote medicinal aphrodisiac or sort of status jewelry type. And they're slaughtering these animals. And so it's a terrible thing. And so we've counteracted that. It's a very safe haven in our properties. But then there's an even bigger thing that's going on these days. And it's it's the human wildlife conflict that's happening. Our animals know that this is the Garden of Eden. It's the safe place to be because if you go into the Serengeti National Park, there's still a lot of 
poaching, it, it could be a scary place to be. So they tend to stay in our areas, but there's also 25 or 23 communities surrounding our areas. It's not the elephant's fault that they see the maze of the corn there in the distance and they maybe go in there and they start eating that. It's like candy cane, right? Yeah. Well, the villagers, that's their livelihood. And they come out and they might take the animal and kill it. So we're working on the community education on that side of things as well. You know, there's a trailer on our website. It's called The Edge of Existence, and it's something that's going to be featured on a documentary uh, on Netflix coming out. And it's it's talk, it's addressing that human-wildlife conflict. So so there's a variety of ways that people can get engaged. And, and you know, the nice thing about ACCF is if you want to restrict it towards wildlife and anti-poaching, like Peter Town from Snap Fitness, he's done that Liberty on the Lake. Yeah. Well, he, as you know, he's got a great heart for um, safari and the anti-poaching movement that's going on. He's got property himself in Tanzania. And prop plane to prop plane 10 minutes away from our property, here he is raising money for us. I love it. And the reason why? Because he believes in the anti-poaching movement. We don't want to have the extinction of these animals. So there's an event there that's going to be happening here locally, even for those who won't maybe want to get engaged. I hear it's a great event. I'm really excited about it. I know Tim McGraw for the last couple of years has, has been the entertainment, and we're working on some really big ones this year. And it'll be a part of that whole Twin City Summer Jam this that weekend of July 20th. But there's a variety of different ways, and you can go to our website and learn all about them. We always share our podcast episodes on our Behind the Billboard Facebook page. And so when we post this episode on the Facebook page, Behind the Billboard, if you don't follow it, go and, and follow Behind the Billboard. When we post this the first thousand dollars in donations we're going to match at, oh at Chris Lindell real estate. That's amazing. So, so when you go to the page and you see Brady Forseth and you see our episode, Thank just you. in the comment section below, just type in the amount that you donated and then the first thousand will donate and we can raise $2,000. And thank and, uh, you so much. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that. I mean, I love the compounding opportunity where you For come sure. together, you make a difference and you know, two is better than one, right? And you take it to a different level and, the only other thing I'd say is like in November coming up, Giving Tuesday, eleven twenty seven, November yeah. 27th, and people have the ability to do that there. But uh, it's just a variety of ways. Chris, I'm so grateful to you, and I'm excited about taking you to Africa with me. Yeah, no, no. I know it'll be something where Tanzania might be your first one, but we'll get you, <laughs> we'll get you on board with Africa. I, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to see what people I know or don't know that post in the comment section, how much they donated to the cause. That's what I'm always fascinated about because as you know, social media and a platform, it's so big. It can go viral. It it can just connect with so many people. And and I love the relationships that I build through these platforms. And so I'm excited to see who's going to step up and and do that. There's something that I, that I, I wanted to ask you because you're a super busy guy. You're always flying around. You're on the phone. You're every time I talk, it's like, boom, 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 boom. You're constantly going, what does your day-to-day look like? Well, um, you know, because I deal with Africa, it's eight hours ahead, so it starts early, bro. No kidding. And it ends late. Do you late. sleep? Uh, <laughs> I sleep a little bit. Uh, you know, sleep's important, but, uh, you know, probably not the full eight, nine, ten hours that most people would get, but that's okay. You know, I, I learned one thing from Bill Austin and many others in my life, and not to re- spiritualize anything, but when you have your spiritual tank is full, you can keep going, right? And whatever purpose type of work you're involved with, that's what gets me going. But I probably get a good five, six hours a night. But for me, uh, it's a full day of calls. It's meetings. It's emails. It's follow through and follow up. Over my last nine and a half years with Starkey, uh, put a lot of miles on the planes, trains, and automobiles. And, um, you know, I go to where there are people who want to make a difference. And that's what I pretty much do throughout the world. Uh, I've had the pleasure of being in nearly 80 countries over the last nine and a half years. And, you know, I feel like um, I know Bill and Tanny Austin are global activists, and I feel like a global citizen of the world now. And, uh, you know, we're seven billion brothers and sisters together in this world. We've got to make the world a better place. And so for me, 
you know, it's connectivity, you know, because 70% of the people who go to Tanzania to some of these destination getaways, they're from the U.S. anyway. So I spent a lot of time in the U.S. now um, traveling abroad in the U.S., um, not as much in like I used to do with Starkey over in the Middle East or Latin America. But where I'm going to be going to some of these countries is where they've got a heart for this type of model on the wildlife humanity side of things on the circle of life. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a it, it goes nonstop. You know how it is. Spin 30 plates, 30 marbles on every plate and don't let the marbles fall. Uh, <laughs> but you also have to always prioritize and reprioritize in life, as you know. You know, you can't always keep everything moving forward and you always have to stick with the best ideas that make the best sense and be laser focused on that and and, and stay to the course, uh, stay true to the mission, the purpose and the authenticity and genuine sincerity of what you're doing in life and give people hope. Amazing. You mentioned spiritual tank full. And after that, you said your purpose and your mission and there's got to be a bigger purpose to why you're doing what you're doing. If you don't have those other reasons why you're doing this, and you don't have direction that's bigger than, you know, what the vehicle is you're doing today, you end up burnt out, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I love that you say that because I think there's so many people listening that can really take that and focus on what do they actually stand for? Yeah. And I was a point in my life early on in my career where I had no idea why I was doing what I was doing. Yeah. I was in real estate. I was selling houses. I was a maniac. I was at the top level yeah. and I had no purpose to anything that I was doing. And I think that's one issue that a lot of people, you know, when I look at organizations and I, and I, and I walk into organizations, you can feel it. You can feel if there's a higher purpose to what they're doing. And so many organizations are just after that money and not after that impact or they don't have that bigger purpose. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that there's another part to this that really, really is important for me. And I think important for so many, and I know you, and that's joy. There has to be some joy in what you do in life, whether it's personal or professional. So like what brings you joy? Well, what brings me joy is to see a plan come together and see the true impact that it's making on what I'm doing. And obviously I've already seen it in less than three months um, in Africa Seeing that, you know, there are now going to be schools deployed in parts of Mozambique where literally within less than three months, all of a sudden Apple's getting involved. And seeing that, I know that 300 kids are going to be able to go through this school on a daily basis when they have nothing. I'm talking kids that are using a stick and writing in the dirt and so on. So there is nothing. And now we've given them hope. To me, that gives me joy. Or to know that these people now in these communities are going to have a chance to get a job, be a farmer again versus going out there and poaching. I can tell you some parts of Africa you poach, you're either going to get shot or you're going to be going into jail for life. Wow. They don't want to do that. No. They just want to have a job. They just want to provide for their family. They want their kids to learn from them and help provide for their future families as well. For us to be able to get these young, impressionable kids at a young age, these kids can actually go back and educate their family and their parents and so on and so forth. So to me, that gives me joy. What's given me joy over my career? Being an advocate for these kids who couldn't advocate for themselves. Helping give someone hearing so they can reconnect with their family and that family becomes a part of the community and that community becomes part of the world. So to me, that's what gives me joy. That's what keeps me going. It has to be something where it gives you energy and that energy it spills off to everyone else. It can't be sucking your energy dry. Yeah. And I'm only involved with that sort of thing. For me, it's not about the money. Uh, it's never been about the money because I don't have the money. At the end of the day, it's really where where I'm wealthy is is where I feel good about my spiritual tank. And again, that's not a spiritual Christian thing. It's really about like in my heart, what feels good about giving back. You've mentioned that multiple times throughout this episode, you know, lead with the heart and connect with the heart. And I think that's one thing for people listening is you have to make sure you have some sort of connection with your heart to what you're doing. Because if it's just all, you know, let me make more money or here's what I'm trying to do, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And and you don't have that emotional connection to what you're doing. At some point you're going to fall flat on your face and, and, and burn out. 
So I just want to really thank you for being on the podcast. I've got one last question. So we have people from brand new emerging business leaders, like I said earlier, to all the way to really successful business leaders. What would be like final advice that you would give for people that I think would appeal to everyone just trying to get to the next level? And next level doesn't mean next level necessarily of success or money or net worth or any of those things, but just to that next level of, of making an impact in this world. Well, get engaged, get involved, because, you know, you're hearing about great causes that I've been a part of, uh, but there are so many good organizations that are out there doing some great work. And I think sometimes there's a lot of apathy for people who sit back and just think, well, I'm just into the usual daily thing and it's time to go to work. You come home, you have dinner, go to bed. You got to think outside the box. You got to think about, you know, and by the way, maybe it's thinking about your family, you know, do more with the family, get out there. Uh, think about other ways that you can get engaged and get involved, whether it's with our organization or just someone that's another NGO nonprofit that's making a difference in their own community and around the world. Engagement is important because that's really what's going to move this country forward. It's going to move this world forward together. And that's where you make a difference in the world. We can make the world a better place. We can shine our light. And uh, I think that'll be important because, you know, that's the biggest thing that I think people I see around the world in the U.S., I've been in Africa and, 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 and all these trips that I've done, and these kids, in a lot of cases, are more happy than the kids that we see here in the United States. Why? Because we have so much we have here in the U.S., you know, whether it's the technology or whatever it may be. So I think, you know, for parents, you know, being able to help your kids understand there's a big world out there, there's a community around there, and people will need help. And I think that caring and sharing it makes you feel better and you feel a lot more purpose in your life. Thank you for being here, Brady. And if you love this episode, make sure to go and share it on social media. I think this can make a big impact. It's not about doing this alone. It's being together. Mm -hmm. Together is how we're going to make a difference. And this world needs togetherness more than ever right now. And so go ahead and share this episode. Leave a rating. Leave a comment for Brady. I appreciate you being here. This is a unique opportunity to have you uh, in the studio with me. And and, and make sure to subscribe to our podcast. and, And just final thought. Don't forget the first thousand dollars in donations I'm going to match at the Behind the Billboard Facebook page. When you see this episode posted, you'll see Brady. Um, you'll see this smiley face. We're going to take a picture after this, so you'll see his face. Just comment how much you donated, and uh, our company, Crystal Dell Real Estate, will match the first thousand in donations. But Brady, thank you so much for being here. If you loved this episode, give us a great review, subscribe, and share us socially so we can spread the word and build the community of difference makers. And if there's a leader who inspires you, send your suggestions for future guests to Chris's team at BehindTheBillboard.com so we can get better.